Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to TW Now. We uh, thank you for joining us. I've got Mr. Rod McNair and uh, Mr. Dexter Wakefield. You've seen all of us on the program before. Mr. McNair is a pastor, as is, doc, as is uh, Mr. Wakefield in the church, and uh, Mr. McNair helps take care of our uh, congregations around the world, works with Dr. Winnell, who you've, you've seen before, and Mr. Wakefield uh, runs uh, the finances and business office, and uh, we both um, love doing this program and discussing biblical uh, uh, facts and uh, some uh, scientific uh, uh, theories and uh, social social uh, problems and things like that. We 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 are, thank you for joining us. I want to ask you to share the 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 feed. Please share the Facebook uh, or the YouTube video, and please like the Facebook or and or the YouTube video. So please like the uh, the the show that helps us. Today's show, as um, all of them are, I think you'll enjoy. Uh, we want to uh, come back to a topic we discussed a little bit ago and talk a little bit more in depth about uh, the nature of God, the universe, and man. We're going to try to discuss pretty much the nature of everything today in uh, 35, 40 minutes. But we do have some interesting material to, uh, to bring to you and uh, some scientific facts and, most importantly, some solid biblical facts that you can go do some further study uh, with. So, God, the universe, and man, the nature of everything, let's get started. There's an interesting article that, uh, that we found uh, online, and this is from the IBT Times, and uh, one of many uh, scientific discoveries that uh, are happening almost on a regular basis now, uh, a team of astronomers. This comes from an article, IBT, the title is Astronomers Discover a Supercluster of Galaxies. Now, when you look into the uh, astronomy uh, here, and you look into also the Bible and what God has in store for us, this is really quite encouraging uh, stuff. So let me introduce today's program with this article. A team of astronomers from India has identified a supercluster of galaxies that has the capacity of containing thousands of suns, billions of stars, planets, dark matter, and other bodies. <clears throat> I'll skip down a paragraph. The supercluster Sarwastai uh, has been named after a Hindu goddess and a major river, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it is believed to be 4 billion light years away from Earth, nearly 10 billion years old. Uh, Sarwasti is estimated to be stretched over 65 million light years in distance. So these are, are numbers and figures that the human mind has a hard time understanding. And even if we're off a little bit uh, in our measurements, these are, these are huge, huge numbers. That it's uh, 650 million light years uh, in distance, that this, that this supercluster is that big. Let's begin, <clears throat> Mr. McNair, Mr. Wakefield, by just <clears throat> asking a, a fundamental question. Uh, these discoveries that we're finding, uh, does that contradict anything that the Bible says? about the nature of the universe. And I know we're going to get deeper into this, but let's just begin with a simple question. Let me just start this off. The reason why we don't believe the earth is 6,000 years old is that it's not biblical. And we can show you. We'll be glad to prove that here today. What about the, uh, the size and the magnitude, uh, the expanse of, of the universe? I mean, even our mm -hmm. galaxy is, is uh, millions and millions of light years across. Uh, does that contradict anything that the Bible uh, indicates in Scripture? <clears throat> no, not at all. I mean, if anything, it, it, it 
shows, you know, the Bible reveals a God who is, is so much more powerful than we can fathom, than we can imagine. Um, the scripture talks about uh, the God stretching out the heavens. And, you know, this is a, a being who, who knows everything, who is all-powerful, who knows our thoughts, who counts the, the hairs on our head. Uh, it's easier for some people than, than others. Um, but, you know, you know I, it's just the fact that the, the universe is so big uh, really should help us to understand and, and stand in awe of God, not, not come to the contrary conclusion. Hmm. Are, are we scared of the, big, of the Big Bang, gentlemen? Are we scared of the Big Bang? I would, I would definitely say not. The, uh, um, in fact, we may get to that a little bit, a little bit later on in our in our discussions today. But um, nothing came from nothing. God created these things, and we have to understand that uh, He did do the creation and He spread it out over the universe, just as He said in His Word. I think. Sorry, go ahead, Mr. McNair. It's interesting too when you <clears throat> when you look at how the 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 Big Bang is described. And when you read about it, 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 they say that basically the laws of physics came into being at that point. And so before that point in, in time, the laws of physics did not apply. So who created them? How did they come about? I mean, so exactly your point, uh, a, a point in time when everything that we see, uh, that we can't see, uh, that's, that's so far away we can't see it, um, everything created, and before that time, none of the laws of physics applied. I mean, that is a slam dunk, saying that someone beyond us had to create these things. Mm-hmm. How many times have we heard or read someone in the uh, media or scientists say, uh, scientists used to think, scientists now think. They change their mind a lot. God's word is uh, forever. It, is, it expresses absolutes, and he tells us what all of these things were. So when science changes its mind, uh, really, every five or ten years now, and sometimes even faster, I, I think we, we can't make absolute theological conclusions based on what scientists now think for the next year or the next 20 minutes. They change their minds a lot. We were talking right. a, a little bit before the show about a couple of the scriptures that talk about the universe expanding. Uh, you know, science, scientists change their mind, but the, the Bible uh, is, is God's word, and uh, the Bible is infallible, and it can be, it's often misunderstood, but in the original <coughs> manuscripts, the Bible is, is infallible and, and is accurate in, in all ways. And uh, one scripture that we were both talking about, uh, or we, sorry, we were all talking about, is found in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5 where um, God records through Isaiah, thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, and so forth and so forth. But the word there, stretch them out, and I think this is also found in Jeremiah, is, is a present progressive verb that God stretches out the, uh, the heavens. And I remember in high school when all of a sudden our science teachers had to start changing the curriculum because we started to learn that the universe is not only expanding, but it's expanding at a more rapidly increasing rate. Mm-hmm. Yet the Bible here has always indicated that the universe is sort of being, being stretched out. So mm-hmm. uh, any other yeah. comments before we... 
get further into the, the program. Yeah, another uh, illustration of that. <clears throat> One of the articles that I think we were, we were talking about uh, before, uh, this is from a Forbes uh, website, uh, The Greatest Cosmic Puzzle. Astronomers find stars that appear older than the universe. Uh, here's a quote. The oldest stars we've found in the universe are nearly pristine, where almost 100% of what makes them up is hydrogen and helium left over from the Big Bang. They come in at over 13 billion years old, with the oldest at 14.5 billion. And this is a big problem because the universe itself is only 13.8 billion years old. <laughs> so as, as you were saying, um, this is not... This is not contradicting some great truth, uh, universal truth of God. It's just that scientists sometimes learn to modify their their findings, their measurements, their conclusions, and uh, and are always learning more. Whereas we can look at the at the Scripture, and it stands on firm ground always. Well, first of all, I would like to correct these scientists right now here and here and now because I happen to know where the oldest stars in the universe are. Hollywood. <laughs> so if anyone wants to, needs a fact about that, they can refer to that and it'll clear up the whole question. Say, so we, we, we give you everything on this show, don't we? <clears throat> so uh, welcome to the program, uh, Tomorrow's World Now, TW Now. The uh, title today, or the show today, the program today is God, the Universe, and Man, the Nature of Everything. We're going to have a lot of fun and get really deep into a, a lot of different... Um, uh, uh, facts today. We're talking about the age of the universe. We're going to talk about the age of the earth, the age of man. These are some questions that, frankly, people have have real you know real questions about. And we've got answers. We have answers. I want to tell everybody that you know we understand. We're not none of us are PhD physicists, um, but uh, we are educated in God's word. And God's word is true. We 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 understand God's word. We understand the the Greek. We understand the Hebrew. Uh, we understand God's uh, God's revealing in His word, and we understand a, a fair little bit about science and the world around us. And we hope to give you some uh, some helpful um, some helpful thoughts. <clears throat> uh, I I want to move on. I guess uh, maybe we can transition to the next question, which is about humanity and the earth. Uh, the first topic was the nature of the universe, and, and uh, we're going to move on to how old is humanity. There's an article that I found uh, just earlier today, and it's interesting. <clears throat> we um, uh, have this article here from, I forget the, the, uh, the, the publication, but it's about uh, worms. It's about worms. I don't know if our control room uh, is able to put this up on screen. Uh, the article basically uh, talks about uh, scientists having found a 500 million year old or 500 million year old uh, fossils. And if you read through the article, uh, these are, are little little microscopic worms that have that were around. They estimate 500 million years ago on the Earth. So if you if you add or you know give or take. 10%, that's still hundreds of millions of years um, ago. I'll read a little bit from the article. It says, our new fossils show that complex animals with muscle control were around approximately 550 million years ago, and they may have been overlooked previously because they're, they're so tiny. So <clears throat> I, I bring this up just to introduce the, um, the, the, the next topic about the, the age of the earth and the age of humanity. Uh, there are real questions that people have 
And, and there are very sincere people who think, well, the earth and, and everything has to be just 6,000 years old, and you know, if it's beyond that, that age, uh, that contradicts the Bible. What, what are some in, uh, initial thoughts uh, on that topic? <clears throat> well, something you brought up uh, uh, a few uh, weeks ago in another, another one of these shows, and that is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with this verse, but, but don't get a, a nuance it says in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, <clears throat> well, one other side point, you know, that proves that there was baseball in the Bible, because in the big inning... Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll, <coughs> we're we'll, lose, we're we'll lose audience. We are going to lose audience. So anyway, the, the point being that, that a lot of people assume this is talking about the the original beginning. This is talking about the, the, the time when when everything was created, when the whole universe was created. And it, it's just not necessarily saying that because <clears throat> what we find is in the very next uh, verse, it says, and it became or, or was uh, without form and void. The, the verb there is hayah in the, in the Hebrew, to fall out, to come to pass, to become. And so what we find is there's a gap, and this is called the gap theory, that there is a, a perhaps a vast amount of time between the first section of that verse 1 and the second where everything becomes waste. Um, and we were talking a little while ago before this in Isaiah 45 and verse 18, for thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it not formed it to be inhabited. The same word tohu is there in Isaiah 45, where he says God did not form it vain. And yet in the beginning, in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, it says it became vain. So clearly there's a, a, a gap in time, and that is a huge, huge point. We're, we're going to keep talking about this. Let me interject. We're going to stay on this, this topic for a while. But for our audience, what Mr. McNair is mentioning is this uh, Hebrew word tohu. And just for as a quick recap for our audience, uh, in Genesis, uh, the Bible says that it became tohu and bohu. But in Isaiah 45, 18, uh, God says that he did not create it tohu. So it's a very, you know, there, there would be, a, as, as you were saying, Mr. Wakefield, there'd be a logical, um, you, know, uh, art, you know, fallacy or logical breakdown there. Um, I want to stay on this, and Mr. Wakefield, I know you've got some comments, and I want to, I want to keep working this, because I really want our, our, our audience, it might be a review for a lot of them, but I really want our audience to understand that this, this, this premise about there being a gap between the original creation of when God created the universe, the stars, the heavens, the galaxies, and there being a gap between that and the creation of Adam and Eve, I really think it's important that our audience... Uh, understands this. Let's spend some time with this, because we don't do ourselves any favors by trying to compress uh, billions of years into six thousand. It's you know I'm sorry, but it's just it's 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 uninformed and it, it, it and it and there's no biblical argument for it. There's right, no right. biblical argument for it. And, and I I really say this with all love and respect towards some of these you know I I I guess well-intended. Uh, Christian preachers out there, and I'm not so sure they are well-intended, to be very honest, uh, because they understand some of them have been trained in Hebrew and so forth as well. But th those people who are trying to put everything in 6,000 years, um, that's just wrong. 
that that is wrong scientifically. It's wrong biblically. Uh, it's just it's full of full of full of error. Mr. Rayfield, let's keep talking about this. Just uh, just one point about that. Your King James Bible said, "And the earth." <clears throat> Uh, was without form and void. The word was there is haya in, in the original Hebrew, and it's translated in a number of other places. Just write down the text there, became, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was versus became, a changing state of being in the past. So it can be the one, which one is it? Which one is it? Well, we just had the answer to that. It can't be was because that would create a contradiction. It must be became. So man became uh, a... Um, um, the earth became without tohu, without uh, in tohu and bohu. It was not the original state that it was made in. And that allows for the, that particular gap that you've talked about. The reason why we say that the earth is a, and the universe is 6,000 years old and that there's no contradiction between the Bible and science in this is that the Bible does not say that the universe is 6,000 years old. We believe the Bible, but is everybody. It would be very nice if they could look at this very carefully, look up the scriptures, because it straightens out a lot of things and a lot of contradictions or what people think are contradictions. You, you mentioned right. became. Let me just give a, uh, an example of that, where, yeah. where, where the word uh, haya can mean became. Uh, I always remember this because uh, many people are familiar with, um, with Nimrod. He's, he's an he's a, a f- a infamous you know, figure in the Bible. Uh, Nimrod was this, this mighty man before God, and he became this leader of people and, and really you know, rebelled and turned away against God. So here in, in Genesis chapter 10, and our, for our friends out there, you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to understand this. So Mr. Wakefield was talking about the Hebrew word haya and how it means became. It became... It can mean was, but it can mean became. The earth became without form and void. Well, here in Genesis chapter 10, verses 6, 7, 8, we have this genealogy coming from Noah, and in, in verse 8, it says, Cush, this is this you know, offspring from Noah, begot Nimrod, and he, Nimrod, began to be a mighty one on the earth. Well, began to be is the word haya. He begot Nimrod. Well, when, he con- when Nimrod was conceived, he wasn't a mighty man on the earth. He was, a, he was a, an embryo. He was, a, he was conceived in his mother's womb. But he became mm-hmm. haya, became a mighty man on the earth. Mm-hmm. So just wanted mm-hmm. to follow up with, with your point. And also, Adam became a living being. Right. He became right. a living soul there. That's what it says right there in Genesis. It says it several times in just the following uh, verses of uh, the very first two. So I think that should be pretty clear. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and why is this important? Because we find articles like another one that, that we were, uh, that was circulated here before the show. Um, this is by NBCnews.com, uh, June 7th, 2017 entitled, We're Older Than We Thought, New Find Pushes Human Origin Back 100,000 Years. So uh, new discoveries at a rich site in Morocco show modern humans were hunting and probably cooking game animals 300,000 years ago, 100,000 years earlier than scientists have believed until now. Okay, so, so why is this significant and why does it matter? Because <clears throat> what they did is they, they found bones, they found fossils that, that look sort of like human beings, um, and, and they're aging them, they're, they're, they're measuring them, they're dating them uh, 300,000 years ago. When you understand there's a gap between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, 
there is no contradiction if there are bones of organisms that might look somewhat like human beings from 300,000 years ago. It does not mean they were human beings. It does not mean they were uh, our, our ancestors. But there is no contradiction. And that's exactly why what you're saying is, is so important. Homo sapien sapien. That's mm -hmm. our that's modern modern man and it is not exactly the same as the uh, pre-modern men that they found. I, we share similarities genetically to, you know, tuna. <laughs> but uh, you know, hum humans and tuna are not the same. Uh, so uh, w there, there's Facebook questions. <laughs> Facebook's lighting up right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so thank you for the questions. Um, one of the questions is, was there created life before Adam and Eve? This just came in on Facebook. Uh, was there created life before Adam and Eve? Let's keep talking about this. Was there mm -hmm. created life? Was there, you know, were there, were there sapiens? Were there... Well, there's, the, the, that's a huge question. But uh, just to take the creation of a simple protein is a could not have possibly happened by chance and it would take uh, millions and billions of, of I don't think the, almost an infinity of time for something like that to, to happen uh, strictly by chance and so scientists know that that's extremely unlikely that even the basics of life could have happened and much less the complex um, development that we have uh, how it went about uh, most likely I think a creator guided it did all of these things uh, himself. But. Uh, you know, it, it says in uh, Colossians 1.16, I think Colossians 1.16, Jesus Christ created, or all things were created mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe that. Uh, mm, everything right. was created right. through Jesus Christ. So if it was, uh, I mentioned a tuna fish, but you know, um, or if it was uh, these little worm fossils, uh, they, it, Jesus Christ is the creator. Right, mm. right. You know, a, uh, the, the genetic similarities between an elephant and a housefly is well above 90%. Mm -hmm. And the, the differences between human beings is uh, we're 99.99% similar. That last hundredths of a percent probably accounts for Mr. McNair's good looks. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably <laughs> what it could be. I, I got left out on that part. but uh, And you got the brains, of course. But um, modern humans are... Uh, simply, uh, uh, almost exactly alike, genetically. And the reason why is because we come from the same two parents. We can get to that in a minute. Exactly. Well, like. and that's on Facebook. So were there humans around before Adam and Eve? We're getting that question on Facebook. Uh, you know, what's... And, and, and that's, where, that's really where the rubber meets the road. And, and going back to this article in NBC News, <clears throat> it's interesting, when, when we read... Uh, uh, articles and we read s findings and studies about these dating for tens and hundreds of thousands of years or, or more. What, where are they coming from? What's the bias of, of the writer? It's interesting that in this article, even though we do not disagree that there could have been organisms that were 300,000 years old uh, that were s similar, uh, notice what their one of the statements is, taken together, these findings show modern humans, according to their definition, their, their concept, were dispersed across Africa long before anyone ever thought. And then here's a quote. There was no Garden of Eden, end quote. Jean-Jacques Hublin says this, a researcher at the Max Planck Institute 
for evolutionary anthropology in Germany, who has been working at the site for decades, told reporters. So uh, absolutely, there could have been organisms that were uh, that were created, that were living, that were uh, had some similarities to human beings. But wh where where are many of these researchers coming from? They're trying to disprove the Bible. They're coming from the bias that there was no Garden of Eden, and that's where that's where they get stuck because they do not agree that there was a created uh, creation. They do not agree that there was an all-knowing, all-loving God, and that's where they go wrong. Well, let's talk about some of the areas where we agree with science on this. And I think some of our viewers may know this, some may not know it, but science now says that every one of us, every human being living on Earth today is descended from one man and one woman, and they say that is a scientific fact. They're called, the woman is called the mitochondrial Eve, and the man is called the Y-chromosome Adam. Now, they don't say that they lived uh, 6,000 years ago. They said that they lived 9,900,000 to 150,000 years ago, and that uh, they, their lives were not necessarily together, that they perhaps were tens of thousands of years apart. But genetics prove, as a matter of fact and science, that everyone, there is a mother of, of all living, just like this Bible says. And everyone is descended from one man, just like the Bible says it is. Only they haven't figured out, or they think they lived much longer than 6,000 years ago. But just a couple of decades ago, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. And people were taught for generations that the fact that you have a myriad of, of millions or thousands of millions of ancestors proves that there could have been no Adam and Eve. And now they said, oops, we were wrong. Everyone is descended as a matter of genetics from uh, these two people. Uh, you want to talk about mitochondria for a moment? That's the, the little things that are inside your, your cells that don't change when passed from woman to woman. In other words, if you're a woman, the mitochondria in your cell is identical to that of your mother's. And if you're a man, a section of your Y chromosome, which women don't have, is exactly the same as your father's. And we won't go through all of the, the details of this, but that's the way that they know this as a fact. And this has only been around for about 20 years. They say it's, they were maybe 100, 150,000 years ago, and that they didn't know each other necessarily. But that, that's based on, uh, let's say, a, uh, a clock that they've devised out of genetic mutations. It changes all the time, and some of their uh, determinations are compressing that into a much shorter period of time. As I say, science changes its mind about this, especially about the period of time. So is everyone descended from an Adam and Eve? Well, yes, yes. And um, uh, that may answer, uh, be a good answer for the question that your viewer just asked. Well, and you, you know, you, you, you asked, let's talk about where we, we in the Bible, the Bible and science agree. Um, you know, how was it that 4,000 years ago, uh, Genesis 3 verse 20 was written, where, uh, where whoever actually scribed it, whether, whether it was Moses or, or whoever, Joshua, where they wrote that, that Eve is the mother of all living. 
right? So that was more than 4,000, 4,500, 5,000 years ago that that was written, that Eve is the mother of all living. And here, as Mr. Wakefield mentioned, just in the last few years, uh, science, uh, scientists are, 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 and this is all over the internet, I mean, that, yep, you know, uh, all humans come from a single pair of, uh, of human ancestors. Mm. And in fact, it is, they don't think that they knew each other, but in fact, it is theoretically possible that they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, interesting facts of science. You know, <clears throat> again, as, as you're saying, where, wh- where do we agree with, with science and where do we sometimes disagree with some of the dating and some of the, the years that they, they come up with or the conclusions they draw? Well, we, we take this book to be the Word of God. We don't have an anti-Bible bias. We take this and we've proven it. We've seen God work in, in our lives personally. We've seen uh, how prophecy matches up. We've seen how this is historically uh, you know, verifiable. We've seen how over and over again there are archaeological discoveries that prove and, and back up the Bible. So as opposed to coming from an anti-Bible bias, we, we come from a pro-Bible bias, and then those things that, that support it we 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 say yeah absolutely that falls in line that's a good that, that that's that's part of the truth uh, but if something doesn't measure up with the bible then we say well that that has to be looked at and and uh, looked at with some level of of skepticism you know we were talking about the 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 origin a moment ago genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is as we as we noted, has a has a gap in it between verse one and verse two. John chapter one and verse one does actually speak about the very very beginning. It says, "In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? The one who who became Christ." Later on in the chapter, explains that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, in other words, there was the the one who became Christ. And there was the one who we know as the Father. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So we see here revealed a little bit more of a picture of the original creation and how there were these two beings who were together, working together, and everything was made through the one who became Christ. And and we... That is the that's the foundation point through which we 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 evaluate every other piece of information. So uh, so quick quick question. I'll I'll throw this to Mr. Wakefield. Um, and we had this come in on Facebook. Somebody asked the question about John one verses one through three, which Mr. McNair just got finished reading. So what's the sequence? Just keep it simple for us, Mr. Wakefield. Uh, where where do we put? Uh, Genesis 1, 1, where do we, where do we put Genesis 1, 2, and 3, where do we put John chapter 1, verse 1? What's the sequence? There's a couple of Facebook questions, and I think people are just asking, well, where do you, what's the beginning? What happened first? What's the order? John 1, verse 1 is the beginning. That is the very earliest beginning. Um, the uh, rest of it in Genesis 1, chapter 1, talks about the beginning of the current age that we're in. And um, uh, it could go um, before then, but generally a much more local uh, period of time. I think um, 
uh, one of your uh, questioners there was wondering whether the fact that there were humanoids on Earth uh, 100,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago disproves the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says what we just discussed, that everyone is descended from one man and one woman that lived about 6,000 years ago. The rest of it, well, can the Bible be wrong where it is silent? The Bible simply doesn't tell right. us about that period. I like to call the Bible the 7,000-year book. And to a certain extent, this is about a, a millennial week of 1,000 years as, as a day. And this tells the plan that God is working out in this age for uh, his whole plan for mankind. And it's important for us to then uh, remember that um, if we go back into some of these other questions, that the Bible simply isn't dealing with a lot of those questions right now because they're not important to what we're doing or what he's doing. Right. Uh, I would like to recommend that all of our readers hop on our website, and if you haven't read um, this article by Mr. Gerald Weston, Did Dinosaurs Kill God? And it's just a really interesting article, and in it he talks about God, the most important things, really, which is, uh, you know, God's plan uh, for mankind. You, what, what, is, what is God doing? It, it's interesting to talk about, you know, worms that may have been fossilized millions of years ago and so forth, but what is God's plan uh, for all of his creation and for mankind? And in this, this article, he talks about what we're talking about now, uh, this, this gap in time. This is nothing that Mr. McNair and Mr. Wakefield and I just came up with this morning. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been, a re the church has taught this for many, 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 many decades, and Mr. Weston uh, mentions this in his article. He says, now this does not mean we have all the answers to Earth's mysterious past. Well, well, well said, well said. That's exactly what right. Mr. Wakefield just said. Uh, we, we don't have all the answers, and the Bible's intent is not to give us all the answers to every question. You know, what did some random dinosaur do 37 million years ago? Well, it's not relevant to salvation. Uh, but Mr. Weston writes, the so-called gap theory, <clears throat> or ruin restoration theory, that we have explained here has been rejected by many, but it is to date the best explanation to harmonize the clear truths of the Bible, and the overwhelming evidence of science. And before I finish my comment, I wanted to use this as an opportunity to remind our, our viewers that we have the magazine in English and in French. In French, there it is in French. That, uh, that lead article? Uh, don't, 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 um, get it. don't let yeah, him do it. I don't it. want to upset all of our French it. speakers. Don't do it. So I don't, yeah, and French and in, in Spanish. Uh, so if you if you speak French or Spanish, please you know please hop online and and and, and tell your friends and please do share today's pro, uh, program with your with your friends. You know one of the one of the viewers uh, made the asked the question about the the time sequence, and when we speak of uh, the creation, it's important to understand too there is a physical visible creation, and there is an invisible creation that just like we wrote read in John one one talks about in the beginning there was God and the Word, the two beings, and then the Word created everything. Well, first there was, a, there was an invisible spirit creation, and, uh, and that came before the physical universe and everything we see. And Colossians 1.15 uh, talks about that. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And, and you asked a moment ago, so why is this important? What does it matter? Are we just speaking theoretical? No. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So that's a totally different topic, but there's a reason why we're on earth. There's a reason why we are created, that God is in the, in the process of redeeming us from, from sin through his, his son, ultimately to be in his family. Uh, so there are many parts of the creation. I, I really think you've uh, you've nailed it right there, and um, we should uh, certainly remember that God, these things pre-existed, these invisible things pre-existed, and then the earth is, in many respects, in the form of those things. For instance, the relationships that we have, uh, God the Father, Christ the husband, the church, the bride, all of these things, we've talked about that in a previous program, but God created all of these invisible things physical things so that to help us understand these great invisible truths, plus he reveals them to us in his word. They're invisible things for sure. They're spiritual things, and you cannot understand them from the physical world uh, just by doing observation and experiment. They may be forms like we I just mentioned, but God must reveal these things, gives us eyes to see and ears to hear, and he tells us about spiritual and invisible things. So it's very important to have two eyes, one to see the physical world, but the other to be able to read God's Word and understand it. Yeah. Uh, th that's, that's a great beginning. Uh, we're going to transition to the, uh, the next uh, ma main topic here. Um, but I, I do, I do want to add and just say that, you know, what's one of the reasons that Satan pushes evolutionary theory? Well, it, it just, it does away with, with God. I mean, it, it's, it's, and I think maybe we, are, we need to be reminded of that. Uh, right now, the Cassini uh, spacecraft is crashing into Saturn. Literally, as we speak right now, uh, the Cassini <coughs> spacecraft, it's been in uh, orbit for about 13 years going around Saturn, it's crashing into Saturn, it's pretty awesome, it sent back great uh, pictures and video, it's awesome! But here we are spending billions of dollars, or how much ever it is, to look for life on, uh, on other planets, and what's one of the reasons? Because uh, people want to, so many people, want to do away with a creator. And yet here, we, here we've gone through the, the program today, we've already uh, talked about a number of, of truths where the Bible matches up perfectly with, with, with accurate science, um, but we accept that there is a God who's, who's, who has laws in place, who's working out a plan, but a lot of people don't want to accept that. They want to invent their own religion of, of, of evolution uh, and, uh, and say we came from, you know, whatever. We're going we're gonna to move on to a big question or big topic right now, uh, which is the whole multiverse, the whole multiverse idea. Uh, you know, do do you know? Do we live in a multiverse? Um, are there many many uh, universes out there? Uh, indulge me for another second, if I can find this article. Here it is. Uh, Think multiverses aren't real. These theories may change your mind about multiverses. And uh, it's it's wonderful to speculate about. I'll try to make my little intro quick and turn it over to you, you gentlemen. But in this article, I think it's a helpful introduction to why some people have this question. The article uh, says the following. <clears throat> in the late 1920s, Edwin Hubble found that Cepheids in the Andromeda galaxy, um, of which the distances could be deduced, and thus there, there was evidence that the stars that were thought to reside in this nebula 
were actually not stars, but they were entire galaxies beyond our own galaxies. So I'll put that in normal English. Basically, in the 1920s, Edwin Hubble realized that these little specks of light weren't um, stars. They were entire galaxies. And so <clears throat> the article continues. Um, at that point, our universe, or our opinion of it, grew from what was just the Milky Way to billions of other galaxies. And scientifically, I mean, yeah, there are billions of other galaxies. In a sense, the article continues, a multiverse is a continuation of that idea. Now, as you were saying, Mr. Wakeman, that's not really where, the, where it came from, but logically, that's sort of how people are, are looking at the multiverse idea. They're saying, well, you know, a hundred years ago, we thought that the Milky Way was everything, and it, we realized it's not. Maybe the universe isn't everything. Hmm. Um, why does this matter? Why do I care? Hmm. What, are your, what are your thoughts? Well, the, uh, just to echo what you said, uh, Hubble's uh, thoughts about the Cephas were speculation. And that was the first time anyone had ever speculated on it. What really uh, happened was a very interesting thing, and I kind of wish I'd brought this uh, book today, but there's a, a book that's probably 15 to 20 years old by now, done by a, an astronomer, uh, the grand old man of astronomy and cosmology at um, Cambridge University, Martin Rees, wrote something called Just Six Numbers. Just Six Numbers. And it was a small book, wonderful book. If you could still find it, it's a wonderful quick read. But what he was summarizing for everyone is that there are six ratios. At the, there's more of them now, but six ratios that, the, that have to do with subatomic particles and, and other things like that, that if they weren't exactly or almost exactly what they are, the universe as we know it couldn't exist because there wouldn't be carbon, there wouldn't be metals, there couldn't be heavy atoms, or the uh, stars wouldn't coalesce, or they would blow up, they would, everything would become black holes. These are very important ratios that if matter did not acquire those things at the moment of the Big Bang, like we talked about a little bit earlier, it acquired all of these exact ratios. And if, they, if it hadn't, the universe as we know it couldn't exist and we wouldn't even be here. So the odds that it could have happened by chance, and uh, uh, Dr. Reese, by his own admission, is, is, not, uh, is, is not religious, but the odds that they could have happened by chance are nearly infinitely small. Could not have happened by chance. Now, that's, that's the universe theory. The theory that we, we know we're in a universe, and perhaps that's all that there is. Well, the multiverse thing came along because unless there's a multiverse, there are an infinite number of universes, and we just happen to be in the one that works, the Goldilocks universe, not too hot, not too cold. <laughs> We're in the one that works. That's called the anthropic principle, that if we weren't in the one that worked, we wouldn't know it because we wouldn't exist, which is circular, circular reasoning. reasoning, okay? Just to, to point this out, the odds if there's a, it's either a universe or a multiverse. Someone once said, if you don't want God, then you better get a, uni a multiverse, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. It has to be one or the other. It can't be any, in anything else. It either <clears throat> must be an infinite number of universes, and we're in the only, you're in the one that works, or there's a, a universe that was designed at the moment of the Big Bang, all right? Yeah. And, and almost everybody agrees on that. Okay, this is kind of a, there's a consensus on this particular thing. Here's my point about this. If there's not a, if, if there's a designer, the odds are nearly infinite 
for a multi for a universe. If there is a multiverse, how much evidence is there for that right now? Zero. Right. Absolutely zero. If you read your article there that you mentioned earlier, I saw that also. It, it has interpretations. It has some hypotheses, and some, but not even a solidly functional theory, much less empirical evidence. Nothing. And they think, <laughs> they mm-hmm. think we're irrational? Mm-hmm. They're, going after, they're going after this multiverse argument, saying that there must be one when there's absolutely no evidence for it. And there's almost infinite evidence for a creator and a designer of our universe. I would say we're on the right side of this particular argument for the time being. What do you think? I would would say, you know, show me any place in Scripture that contradicts, uh, you know, a a fact, and uh, we can can start having a conversation. But there's no statements in Scripture that uh, have been proven false, whether it's the universe expanding, you know, whatever, whatever the case. Hebrews 11.3 talks about the things uh, that, have, that, that are seen have been made by that which is invisible, by, by you know, that God made everything that's seen and unseen. And um, I think what, Mr. Wakefield, you're bringing out is that people want to so badly, so many people want to get rid of God that they want to try to increase the probability of life, and they're willing to, to do anything they can to increase the probability of life happening through an evolutionary, you know, way, right. and whether or not there is a multiverse or not, uh, I would say is not really even the relevant question. Um, there is a beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. We, we see evidence of this. We'll call it a big bang. Call it God's creation. Call it God spoke and the world existed. But we see evidence of that. And so um, your point is very well made that people are trying to increase the statistical odds uh, in their favor to uh, you know that, that that it's a Goldilocks situation and there is no God, Mr. W- uh, yeah. You're going to add to that, yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Smith. Wallace Smith had an article uh, a couple of years ago in the Tomorrow's World magazine. Do we live in a multiverse? And um, he quoted in um, the magazine New Scientist. Uh, either the universe was designed specifically for us by a creator, or there is a multitude of universes, a multiverse. That was from the article Anything Goes, June 6, 1998. So this is totally admitting and, and accepting that it's an either-or, as you said. And, I, and I'm not saying that there's not a multiverse. Perhaps there is a multiverse. What I'm saying is that how can people deny the huge possibility that there is a creator and a designer of our universe, which they do, when all the evidence is against it. You know, our atheist friends say that um, uh, they can only believe things to the extent that there's evidence for it. That's called evidentialism as a philosophy. But look at the universe-multiverse argument. Do they really right. believe that? Of course not. Because right now, all the evidence points to the fact that there is a God, that there is a creator, they really don't want to know about it. Yeah, and, and I would like to take this opportunity to, um, and I say this, you know, with a smile and, and good, good, good natured. But to, um, you know, for those who are diehard atheists who are a little bit upset with us, um, I'd also like to remind those who fall into the other ditch and they want to have everything, you know, having begun six thousand years ago. Uh, you know, they need to rethink that as well. I don't want to go back in the program, but the, the Bible does not argue for a 6,000-year-old creation. Um, there's too much evidence to the contrary, but, but both 
logic, science, you know, and, and scripture do argue for there being a creator and a lawgiver and something that happened billions of years ago when God created everything. And that's what scripture says. And we referenced, you know, Eve being the mother of all, of all humans and so forth. There, there's no contradiction anywhere in scripture between what scripture states and what we've seen to be factual. And that's one thing I want to circle back to the gap just for a second. Um, you know, we, we see evidence, uh, let me just take a moment, we see so much evidence uh, that the earth is, is older than 6,000 years old, whether it's uh, tree rings, whether it's, it's ice and snowpack. And if you try to deny that, one of the challenges I've seen with people is that then when they're confronted, when I say deny that, if you try to say, no, everything's 6,000 years old, as, especially children, as kids, start then be- becoming confronted with just, frankly, just reality. That, they, you know, they, they're, there are tree rings you can date back by petrified trees that go back uh, hundreds of thousands of years. There, there's layers of snow and ice in Antarctica and in Greenland that go back hundreds of thousands of years. There's fossils that go back hundreds of thousands of years. Well, we fall into the other ditch. I think we, we damage the faith of our children. It's not just that you're wrong on some esoteric point. Your children say, Mom, Dad, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to tell me everything was created 6,000 years ago, but there's too much evidence to the contrary. You know, you're absolutely right. And, and, and as Mr. Wakefield, you were saying a moment ago that a lot of, a lot of uh, people who, 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 who say they believe in science really grab onto these impossibly I- impossible odds as if that's empirical, empirical evidence. Hmm. And so we actually, your point is we actually, in, 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 in this belief system, we actually believe science. We actually believe what can be proved. We actually believe what has, is factual. And when you believe that, it points you to a creator. It points you to the right the right structure of dating and, and timing, and it ultimately points you to a purpose of existence, of why we're here. Uh, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 4, says, uh, He chose us in Him, that is, uh, He being God, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. So he's talking about the foundation of the world, He's talking about why we're here. He's talking about the the plan of why human beings are on earth. And he gives us every information, every bit of information to know how we can succeed and be a part of his family. And there are so many things we don't know, but like you said, it's a 7,000-year book. Well, Mr. McNair is spot on about that. You don't know the problem with that, though? If If there is a God and you can know it for sure, then you have to obey him. Right, right. You have to obey right. him. And guess what? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So they throw out all of the other information, and they're going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, taking a bite every time, and mankind gets farther and farther and farther into the hole he's digging for himself. But right. if there's a God, then there's also a wonderful, wonderful future, potentially, right? And so let's, let's move to that, to that final topic today. Uh, we've talked about the, uh, the, the God, the universe, and man. Uh, we've, we've gone over a lot. But what, what's in the future? What lies ahead? What is, what is coming? You know, if we are the product of, you know, the cosmic roll of the dice and chemicals or whatever coming together, then 
uh, you know, there, there's there's no real future. We just uh, survival of the fittest, and you know, we just hope that we don't uh, die out. But <clears throat> is there a future? What is uh, God's plan? Uh, what uh, does what does the Bible really teach uh, about uh, the the destiny of of mankind and 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 of this planet? Hmm. Well, just to to start off and maybe to reassure our viewers about something, and one of the things that um, you could say a lot of things about God's word, but one of the things that convinces me that this is His word that if you read this book through, and particularly in the context of what our church teaches the things that Mr. McNair just mentioned. You have to understand these things and put them into the right context. But if you do, then you see that all of the writers here, writer after writer, century after century, book after book, they're all thinking the same things, Mm -hmm. thinking the same things. They're talking about whether in uh, type or anti-type or in specific prophecies, this is going on and on and on throughout this Bible, and this is telling about a plan of salvation that God has for mankind that the church has an extraordinary understanding of. And I hope I, if you're new to the, this program and new to what we teach that you will read some of the things that, that we have for you. Go to the, uh, the, the Tomorrow's World website and look at some of the booklets, some of the things that we have available for you. You'll find that's extraordinary understanding, but be sure to pray first that God will give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the understanding to really get into these things. I will add one thing, though, that once you do that, God holds you responsible for what you're learning. But, uh, just as you said, there's a great plan for mankind, and maybe we can go over it briefly here before we go. Well, what we're wrapping, you know, we're, we're getting short yeah. on time. My fault. I was too long-winded and slow to get to the different points. But what is our, our future, Mr. Uh, Mr. McNair? Are we going to go to heaven? Uh, is Christ going to return here soon, and we'll, we'll go to heaven? And what, 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 what's the future hold? Well, in brief. <laughs> yeah, in brief. A lot of different places we could turn. But, but let me just sum it up uh, in, in, in that question. Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What we see is the, the earth is destined to be the center of God's administration of his government throughout the whole universe. Heaven coming down on earth, as we've heard it explained before. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. As opposed to living in heaven for eternity, we find that, that Christ first is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives, and with his saints will rule uh, over the earth, and ultimately the Father will come down to earth as well and, and rule from here. And there, all those who are enter God's family who are now spirit beings and no more subject to death and sorrow and crying. That, that's an incredible future. Mm-hmm. I'll say amen to that. 
and we'll look for it. Um, as you say, many people have different gospels about it. Um, some people think that the kingdom of God is in heaven. Some people say it's an allegory. But the Bible says that Christ rules on earth, that the saints rule on earth for a thousand years, and then God completes his plan, this current plan that he has in the Bible that takes up almost all of his pages uh, now, and then mankind stands on the threshold of eternity. And I'd like to uh, reinforce what Mr. Wakefield just said. Um, it is a different gospel to teach that we're going to go to heaven um, and reign in heaven, from heaven, that's, that's the future. What does it say in Revelation 5, verse 10? That we will be made kings and priests and will reign on the earth. So as Mr. Wakefield pointed out, uh, that would be a different gospel. And I think that for our friends out there, um, it's worth praying about. And, and uh, if you um, are interested uh, in learning more, go to tomorrowsworld.org. Uh, of course, you can visit our Facebook page. We hope you tune in every Thursday at 3 o'clock to the TW Now program. And uh, everyone, we thank you for joining us. I think we've gone long, but I hope you enjoyed it. We've had visitors from all around the world. Please share uh, this video if you found it helpful. Please go to tomorrowsworld.org and look for more information. I want to thank Mr. Wakefield and Mr. McNair for being with us. And until next time, we wish you well. We hope to see you next Thursday at 3 o'clock.